Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Gospel of John, chapter number 12. Gospel of John, chapter number 12, and then going to the book of Matthew, chapter 27. Gospel of John, chapter number 12, and verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was which he had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served. And, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This he said not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. This he said not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bear what was put therein. Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Verse 1. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate the governor. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Notice verse 4, saying, I have sinned and that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. I want to preach for a little while. I'll announce my subject title here after a bit. But I just feel this strong on my heart. I really felt it uh, come strong to me on this last Friday evening as I was thinking and preparing us to what we would preach and what we would talk about here this morning. 
I felt this so strong in my spirit. Let's lift up our voices to the Lord and let's pray together right now. The Lord would help us. Jesus, I'm praying, God, for your anointing, for your help, <clears throat> for your touch. We know that without you we can do nothing at all. And I understand, God, how desperately we are in need of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And I pray, God, for your blessing upon the remainder of this service. We thank you. We praise you. We exalt you for it. In Jesus' name, let's give thanks and praise unto the Lord today. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. This is arguably the most powerful worship setting recorded in the entire New Testament. In fact, if if it was just me looking through my studies, I know that there's other instances we could talk about. There's other examples that we could refer to here this morning where people came before the Lord and they worshipped Him. And then we could talk about the results that took place after they gave themselves in worship to the Lord. One that comes to mind is found in Mark chapter 7 when the Syrophoenician woman who was a stranger, an alien to the commonwealth of Israel, she had no covering from covenants. She was without hope uh, at that particular time in this world according uh, to the traditions and the customs of men. Yet the Bible says she had a daughter that was vexed and she came and fell at the feet of the Lord and began to worship Him. And the result was, at the end of that, that worship mixed with her faith resulted in her daughter being delivered. And so we know the powerful effects of worship. Amen. There's just something about when we come to the house of God and we worship the Lord and we truly give ourselves to worship. The results, the blessing, uh, the presence of the Lord that can be found where there's people that are worshiping Him. The Bible tells us all the way back in the book of Psalms in the Old Testament that He lives in Judah. He inhabits the praise of His people. And uh, when we when we come into His presence, that we are to come with worship and we're to come with thanksgiving in our hearts. That's why we spend the preliminary parts of any service worshiping the Lord because we're looking for that avenue to enter into the presence of God. We're desirous of Him to, to move and to minister in our lives. And so as far as the New Testament is concerned, this is one of those moments when worship is on display. And uh, it's, it's a very intimate encounter. And it really goes into detail. And there's several different accounts through the gospel of this, of this encounter between this Lady Mary and the Lord. But the most appalling thing about this story is that out of those that were present, there were so few of them that recognized the importance of this moment. And that's really, that's really a tragic thing. And it happens more often 
than we'd like it to, or more often than it should. People that miss the moments that God visits them. Uh, miss opportunities to receive from the Lord. And often when, when God begins to move, there is, there is an opportunity that has availed itself to us. And uh, only through us properly responding to that opportunity can we receive the potential of that moment. And we know all too well, even from Scripture, the examples that we see, and also we know it from uh, just our own experiences. We, we can see it over and over again in our own lives when opportunities come and the Spirit of God opens the door and for some reason people fail to take advantage of that opportunity. And the end result is, is perhaps it never comes around just like that again. Amen. I've told you before that it is astounding to me. I know there's people that receive opportunity after opportunity uh, to be ministered to by the Lord. There's people that receive opportunity after opportunity to receive a blessing or a miracle from God. And uh, those that receive opportunity after opportunity to come into the presence of God and be saved and be drawn by His Spirit. And yet, there seems to be times when there are those that maybe only receive one chance, one opportunity. They only are availed to one service where they can come and feel conviction, feel the drawing of the Spirit of God. And so that's a sharp reminder to you and I that I don't want to be a distraction to them. I want to be sensitive. I want to have my spirit right. I don't want there to be anything in me that would hinder them from receiving that opportunity that God would give to them because it may be their only chance. I can't tell you how many times that I have preached the last sermon that somebody was going to hear. And perhaps it was the only gospel sermon that they ever heard. And I can't describe to you the burden and the heaviness that I feel when people, for whatever reason, and there's not just one, there's many, turn on their heels and reject God and walk away from the presence of God when you've done everything that you can possibly do to reach them. And I'm always reminded of that because this is the place where people have the opportunity to connect with God. This is the soul-saving station. This is the place where people will be able to come and to receive from the Lord and be saved, get the Holy Ghost, be baptized in His name. Uh, this is the place where people that have strayed away from God can come, being drawn by His Spirit, can come to an altar and get things right with God. Amen. Maybe there's something in their heart and in their spirit that isn't right with the Lord. And uh, they can take the opportunity that God gives them in a church service to repent of their sin 
and to get things right. Uh, to be convicted and to be stirred and to be moved upon. Amen. Such a sacred moment, such a sacred thing. And uh, this, this lady was the only one out of that entire group of people, and we can name several by the various accounts that we have that were present, but obviously there was only one that recognized the importance of the moment. And others didn't even give the common courtesies that were customary of guests in that day. In Luke's account, Jesus responded to them and said, Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I have came, has not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. These people, even the disciples that were in that house, were oblivious to what was really going on. And there were many warning signs that Jesus had given to them that this ministry, this time period that we're in, this era of time that we are, are experiencing right now is coming to a close. They've received warning after warning that He's going to soon go to the cross of Calvary. They've received signal after signal that his earthly ministry is coming to a conclusion, yet they fail to seize the moment. And the question that I have for us, what would we do? How would we respond? How would we react this morning if we knew that this would be the last worship service? that we would ever have the opportunity to be in? How would we praise the Lord if we knew this would be the last chance we would ever have to be in His presence in this way? How would we respond to the preaching of the Word of God if we knew that this would be the last Bible message that we would ever hear? How how would we come to the altar and with what attitude would we come to the altar if we knew that this was the last altar service that we would ever be afforded? I'm going to tell you, I think that some would come and approach this service, this setting, this opportunity a whole lot different if you knew that this was going to be the last chance or the last time you would ever pass this way. And uh, there's various personalities that we could focus on in this story. As I've already mentioned, there's Lazarus, there's, there's Martha, there's uh, the disciples, and there is also uh, the, the person Simon that we could focus upon. But I want to, uh, for the sake of this message this morning, hone in upon one particular individual that we're familiar with, but sometimes in the midst of this story, or for the purposes of telling this story, we did not always focus on Him, but we focus on the lady and upon Jesus and what is happening between them. But I want to tell you there's something that is, that is very uh, important that we grasp. There's something here that could serve as a warning to you and I that is also transpiring in this room 
And that is what's happening with Judas. He, while she is worshiping the Lord and pouring not only the ointment out, but I think it would be safe to say she's pouring her heart out before God. Because truly to worship God, that's what it's all about, is to pour your heart out before the Lord. You, you can't truly worship God and hold anything in reserve. You cannot truly worship God. Really, this, this box of ointment that was broken at his feet and uh, she anointed him with, this is only symbolic of what was going on in the heart of this individual by the name of Mary. She was expressing her thanks. By all accounts, she had been delivered from demonic oppression and possession, the Bible says. By all accounts, she had a lot to be thankful for. And let me just stop and say, if you see somebody that gets emotional this morning and lifts their voice and praises the Lord, and perhaps somebody leaps a little bit or runs the aisles or shouts and, and claps their hands, uh, amen, you just have to excuse us, uh, but to whom much is given, much is required. And because God has blessed us and because God has been good to us, we cannot keep our silence. Maybe you have grown to the place and matured to the place that you have forgotten how good God has been and how much He has blessed you. But I still remember where I could be and what could have happened. And I'm here today because God in His grace averted all of that. And I'm here in this place because God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And for that reason, I'm going to give praise to the Lord. I'm going to give thanks unto God. Hallelujah. But it caused indignation. That's a pretty strong word, folks. That worship could upset somebody so bad. That worship could cause somebody's spirit to rise up. You know, it's been my experience that if you want to see spirits that are suppressed in people's hearts, and that are camouflaged in people's hearts, you just get a real move of God going. You just get a real worship service breaking loose. It's impossible to join in the worship if you've got something in your heart that shouldn't be, or if you're harboring something in your heart. And that tends to be revealed. And that's why some folks don't like it getting at that place or they don't like that type of intensity is because it reveals something about them. They want it calm, cool, and collected all the time. They'd like to keep it they'd like to keep it all just real just real under control all of the time because it reveals something about them. That's why they feel comfortable in that type of atmosphere. But worship will bring things to the surface. It's like a boiling cauldron. It's going to bring it's going to bring the dross to the surface. It's going to bring the impurities of one's life to the surface. And, and in that atmosphere, uh, people have an opportunity to either join in and get that out of their heart or they they uh, will be revealed or that that is in them is going to be revealed uh, by their lack of participation and their ability to connect. And it's more than just a lack of participation physically. It, it's a lack of connection spiritually that is taking place. Amen.
And it's so important that we keep that lifeline and that connection open because it's, it's, it's basically our support system. It's what keeps us alive. And if that can ever be cut off, if that can ever be hindered or stopped up, that is what can literally suffocate you spiritually, can literally take you down and destroy you spiritually. It's only through keeping your connection, amen, that you can really get what you need from the Lord and receive the, the, the blessing and the touch and the help and the strength and the grace. How many knows that God is able to give us grace to overcome whatever it is that we may face tomorrow? And if I'm disconnected, I can't get that. That cannot minister to me. That cannot help me in the way that I need it to. So I need to receive from God in every Every service has its importance. And every service has something that I can glean from it. I, I don't need to come and brush it off. I don't need to come and take it for granted. I don't need to come and act as if it's for somebody else. But there's something. There'll be something that the preaching of the Word of God will touch upon. There'll be something that the Spirit of the Lord will, will move in a certain direction that is just specifically for me. And I need to be able to respond to that. Nation rose up. I'm going to tell you, there's nothing the devil hates worse than worship. Real, true, heartfelt, sincere, really pure worship that is given to God. The devil hates that. That's why he fights it. That's why he resists it. That's why he gives you every excuse in the book not to participate, not to do it, not to be involved in it. He wants you to, he just wants you to be your mind somewhere else and you to be distracted and your thoughts over there because he doesn't ever want you to connect. Because he knows that you can continue to harbor those things in your heart that are not right with God. As long as you never get involved and never come into the presence of the Lord, you'll never feel the conviction. You'll never feel the touch of God. You'll never feel the need to get some things cleaned out and get some things right. If you never connect and get in the presence of God. Amen. You can superficially glaze over things. But I'm talking about getting in there and connecting. And staying plugged in. Until you feel the Spirit of God examine you on the inside. And say, what is this in here? i got to empty this out. i got to get, I can't hold this in. This could, this could develop into something that would destroy me. Amen? And so, he said, why was this ointment, why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence? He knew exactly. Isn't that amazing? I don't know how much perfume costs these days. I'm not really interested in it. Every once in a while, I've, I go and buy some as gifts or what have you, but I, to know exactly just by the smell of something. Or perhaps by the, the box that it came in. To know exactly to the penny. I mean, he was pretty precise. 300 pence. This could have been sold. You see how critical? You see how cynical a person can become? When they fail to join in on the worship. 
They can note exactly down to the, well, look at there. And it doesn't have to be things like this. This could be broadened out into a lot of areas. But he knew specifically. Amen. Get to pointing out little things down to the detail. Hey, this is God's house. This is, this is a house of grace. This is a house of mercy. Amen. This is a house where blood covers. And this is a place where the Spirit of God, amen, overcomes things in, in people's lives. And I don't want to be sitting back pointing a finger at somebody and saying, what, who do they think they are? And what do they think they're doing? And why are they so extravagant in their worship unto God? Don't they know who they are and where they came from? And don't they realize what all of this means? I'm going to tell you something. That's not the attitude to have. Hey, we need to realize. Amen. I don't want to become too familiar with being around Jesus uh, that when He starts moving and His presence and His power is moving that I cannot connect and take advantage of that. He said it could have been given to the poor. He didn't care about the poor. The very next verse says, Amen. The issue is rarely ever the issue is the old saying. Amen. This, he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. He had something in his heart and had the bag and bare what was put therein. And those words is what really were illuminated to me and what I felt the Lord speaking in my spirit and had the bag and bear what was put therein. Now, it seems to indicate, and maybe this is in a symbolic sense, that what he held on to kept him from joining in the worship. What he kept close to him and what meant the most to him kept him from connecting in a very powerful, powerful moment. Again, you realize the sacredness of this moment. This is coming down to the last. This is, this is the last real. I mean, you just read on beyond this and you'll find out there's the triumphant, un, triumphant un, entry and then there is the, there, there is the, the time when, when uh, he has the, the Passover with his disciples, the Last Supper, and then, and then it moves right on in to the trial and Calvary, and so things start picking up. This is the last real church service, if I could say it that way, that they're going to have, an opportunity that they're going to have, amen, for, for them to get and receive what they need from the Lord, and he's a, unable to connect with it. Why? Because he's holding on to something. Now, it's debatable whether... Uh, this included the monies which he received uh, from the religious leaders to portray Jesus. It seems to indicate in Matthew's account that, that they made the deal with him just after this. And, and uh, so it's kind of a debatable thing, but that's not necessarily important. One thing that is not debatable at all is the fact that he had a preoccupation with money and it hindered him and his relationship with God. And he had this bag and bear what was therein, the Bible says. Let me ask you a question. It didn't have to be 
It doesn't have to be what Judas held on specifically. But all of us can be guilty of hanging on to something and holding on to something in our heart that hinders our ability to join in the worship, to join in the presence of the Lord, to enjoy the blessings of God, to receive what we need from the Word of God. It doesn't have to be what Judas what Judas dealt with. It can be something entirely different. This is only symbolic in the Scripture that he was holding on to something that was hindering him from getting involved when he had the same opportunity this little lady did when he had the same chance that this little lady did he didn't take advantage of it he didn't receive from it he didn't get the blessing of it why because he was holding on to something in his heart what is it for us this morning is it a grudge is it an offense Is it secret sin that you feel that nobody knows about? Nobody has to know but Jesus. That's really ultimately the one that matters the most. And he knows more about us than we know about ourselves. Is it odd against another? What if it's plain old pride? What if it's lust of the flesh? What if it's greed? What if it's old resentments that we've refused to release? What if it's jealousy? Jealousy. We camouflage it. We paint over it. I'm going to tell you there's some stains, and painters know this, that you you can paint over it, and you can paint over it, and you can paint over it. It's going to bleed through. And they got a product that's called Kills. And you got to use that to seal that off. Well, I'm going to tell you, we got a product called the blood of Jesus. And that that keeps reemerging in your life. That 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 keeps keeps coming up at critical moments in your life. That that you refuse to yield to God in the altar. That that keeps and hinders you from really making a connection to God. Amen. You need to get it out. I said you need to get it out. Because if you're holding on to that thing, if you're holding on to that attitude, if you're holding on to that spirit of offense, if you're holding on to that spirit of resentment, if you're holding on to some secret sin that you feel that nobody knows about, if you're holding on to some lust or or some spirit of the world that has gotten a hold of some carnal thing that you think you can't live without, I'm going to tell you, it's important for us to remember this is an important important moment that God has given us uh, to get it right. Uh, you you got you to gotta remember, Judas, uh, that you may not pass this way ever again. You may never have an opportunity exactly like this. And whatever you're holding in your heart, uh, whatever you're holding on to, you need to let it go. You need to re- release it uh, so that you can receive uh, the blessings of God, the goodness of the Lord, uh, the joy of the Lord. Amen. You can feel the completeness. You can feel the help that comes from the presence of God. Amen. At this moment, Judas could have easily laid it down, changed his course, 
And that's what being in the presence of the Lord can do for any one of us. Help us to overcome things. When anointing comes, that's what it's there for. It's to destroy yokes, the Bible says. I can't destroy a yoke on my own, not a spiritual yoke. Amen. I don't care how many steps you take or how much willpower you got. I don't care how, how much of that that you get and how much you read up on it. And, and I think all of that has its place. But I'm going to tell you, without the power of God, without the mercies of God, it is impossible to destroy yokes in your life. And whatever caused that to come into your life, Amen. I'm going to tell you, it may have been some, some insult, some injury, some, some injustice that was done to you. But why allow it to beat you down and wear you down? Yokes will wear you down if you allow them to stay there. Yokes will wear you out if you allow them to, to continue to beat you down and to keep you harnessed and keep you in a straight. They'll restrict you from getting a blessing from God and receiving what you need from the Lord. You hear me. I've watched people carry yokes. Oh, they, they continue to come to church. They, they continue to be faithful. They continue, amen, to look the part. And they, they say all the right things, but deep in their heart, they've been bearing a yoke for years that God wants to destroy through the anointing of the Holy Ghost. That's what a church service, when the anointing and the presence of God comes, that's what it's all about, is to destroy that. You can feel freedom. You can feel strength. You can feel completeness. You can break through. You can overcome. Right. Hallelujah. You don't have to be bound by that anymore. Because you feel it when you go to worship. You feel the heaviness of it. You hear the rattling of the chain of condemnation. And that fear that there it is again. Amen. God wants to deal with some yokes here today. Judas, you, you missed the moment. It's a tragic thing when God asked us to yield something in his presence and we refuse to. When a person has an opportunity to overcome an addiction, get freedom from a spirit of offense, Receive forgiveness for secret sin. Lay down old resentments and anger and bad attitudes. But for whatever reason, they hold on to the yoke. They hold on to whatever it is that's in their heart. That's a tragic thing. That's a terrible thing because life could be so much better. I mean, some people... Just to listen to them talk, you can hear it. It's like it boils up in every conversation. They got some little snide remark to say about someone or somebody. They got some little cutting thing that, that comes out. I'll tell you what the problem is. It's in their heart. It's in their heart. Down deep in there somewhere. Amen. Because the Bible says, if there be any glory, if there be any praise, think on these things. Amen. You can't think about the goodness of God and have that kind of attitude. 
You, you can't think about the blessings of God and have that, that kind of spirit. Amen. You can't think about how good God has been and be concentrated on some little old something that happened 20 years ago. Oh no, you can't have that kind of spirit. You can't have that kind of attitude. Amen. And get in the presence of God and feel the freedom and the power of the Holy Ghost. The two don't join together. He said in his word, he said, does, uh, does bitter and sweet water come from the same fountain? No. No. Amen. Either it's going to be contaminated uh, by something that's in it uh, or it's going to give life fresh uh, water that is going to be good to drink in and to receive for the soul. I suggest somebody get the poison out of the well today. I suggest somebody get the contaminants out of your well today. Dig down deep. Because it's killing you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Like one doctor said to a man that was injured. And he had such resentment against the person that had injured him. And he said, look, 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 look. He said, your injuries are serious. Matter of fact, this is really a matter of life and death. This could go either way. And he said, in your state of mind, he said, I feel like it's going to tip you towards the negative. And he said this. He said, let me just tell you that for you to hold on to resentment and to desire revenge would be like drinking poison and expecting another man to die. And that's the way resentment works. It doesn't hurt anybody but the person that's drinking the poison. Nobody but the one that the devil's convinced that they can dwell on this and they can they can keep this and they can hold on to this and, and they got a right and they feel justified in doing so. Oh, no. Amen. Don't be fooled. I said, don't be fooled. Don't let the devil sell that bill of goods to you. Amen. That's hindering the greatest days of your life and experiencing the goodness of the Lord. Amen. That's keeping and breaking the connection that God God wants you to have. Praise God. You need the joy of the Lord. That's where your strength comes from. You'll never have strength against the devil if you can't find joy in your relationship with God. You'll never be able to withstand the attacks of the enemy if you can't find joy in your relationship with God. But when you get the joy of the Holy Ghost, you can overcome obstacles. You can overcome amen, distractions from the devil. You can overcome amen, and the attacks of hell if you got the joy of the Lord you can keep coming even when life throws a curve at you you can keep being there in the worship service and getting a little bit more strength and getting a little bit more help I've seen people that's went through hell on earth but they had the joy of the Lord on the inside of their heart why? because they didn't hold anything in their heart unlike God tragic thing to hold on to something after God attempts to deal with us and convict us and stir us but I'll tell you what's more dangerous and more tragic than that is when after all of those attempts and all of those times when God preached to us and dealt with us and convicted us and moved on us and all of the different and various ways that God tried to find a way into our heart. 
was unsuccessful. And finally, he allows us to keep whatever it is that we're holding on to. You want your secret sin? Keep it. You want your spirit of offense? Keep it. You want your tainted view? Keep it. You want your resentment? Keep it. Want to retain your pride? You can have it. Greed? It's yours. Lust? I've tried. And that's exactly what happened to Judas. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. Judas is looking on and seeing the pressures mounting up. I never thought it would end up like this. I just thought I could get by with doing this and he would find some way of escape. When they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. When he realized this thing's really coming to a head, then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, he repented himself and brought again that thing that you thought you couldn't give up, that thing that you thought was so important to hold on to, brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and elders saying, I have sinned that I have betrayed innocent blood. And they said, what is it to us? So what? See to that yourself. You wanted it? You can keep it. We don't want it back. Isn't that just like the trick of the devil? He got you to hold on to it. It's yours. And when he saw that there was no way to retract, he said, this is it. And so I announced my title. Don't be left holding the bag. Don't be left holding the bag. That is a trick that the devil is playing on people wholesale today to get them to take the bait to get them to grasp a hold of something to get them to feel justified in something to get them to be tempted out into a certain area to get them to, 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 to feel like you know there's nothing wrong with this and so they grasp a hold of this and they hold it and services come and go God moves, God works, and God tries to tries to work with them and tries to deal with them and tries to get it out and tries to give them an opportunity to straighten it out. And the worst thing that could happen is for us to be left holding the bag. Saul, he was left holding the bag. He thought he was sharp enough. I can do it however I want to do it. I don't have to listen to the man of God, the prophet. I don't have to yield to the spirit of God and the conviction. 
don't have to do any of that. I mean, I am the king. And I'm going to tell you, there's a place in all of our lives where we are in control, and it's up to us. We are the king, as someone said, of our fate. And the choices that we make, the decisions that we make, we can't blame it on nobody else. We have control of this. And he, when the Lord spoke and the Lord dealt with him and the Lord challenged him and said, this is what I want you to do, and if you'll do this, I'll give you complete victory over your enemies. He had an opportunity to be a great king. And the Bible says that he thought a different plan out and he rebelled. It was really rebellion. And probably some of the strongest words ever come out of a preacher's mouth in the Old Testament came to Saul. He said, when you were small in your own eyes, he said, the Lord saw you as somebody that he could bless and elevate. He said, but you become big in your own eyes. It's like the hand of the Lord has recoiled. And he said, Rebellion, Saul, is of the sin, is as of the sin of witchcraft. That's strong language, but it's the Bible. And when we harbor that attitude, that I'm going to do it my way, I'm going to live it like I want to live, I'm going to do whatever I want to do, when we harbor that kind of an attitude. You hear me? God didn't drop this message in my heart for no reason. And I could think of a thousand others I'd rather preach this morning. But I'm preaching what the Lord laid upon my heart. And I've found out a long time ago it's better to do that than to try to do it any other way. And rebellion, amen, has caused more than one to be lost. That refusal to submit to the anointing. That refusal to submit to what God is asking of us and, and that God is dealing with us about. That, that refusal to yield to the presence of the Lord when he moves upon us. Just like in a service like this. Amen. People's going to get an opportunity again. God's going to stir them. And that's why he sends messages like this. Is that he's trying to get us back on track. And he's trying to find a way to penetrate our hearts. And trying to get down deep in our soul. And we can put up a wall and we can rebel against it. But uh, you, you fast forward in Saul's life. And he disguises himself. And he makes his way down. Trying to hide his identity to a witch of Endor. And he said, can you call up a man of God for me? And she got to looking through her use of familiar spirits. And she said, I see an old man with a mantle. I said, that's him. That's the voice of Saul that I'm hearing. That's the man of God that you're seeing. Saul, help me. I'm in a jam. I'm in a problem. I, I, I had opportunity to get this right years ago, but I held on to that attitude of rebellion. And Saul said, or Samuel said to Saul, why have you disquieted me? Why have you even bothered? In other words, there's been opportunity after opportunity to get this right. Why now? Why at this point? 
Saul's left holding the bag. What about Esau? Esau's young. He's got it together. He's the eldest. It's just he's got talents. He's got abilities. Obviously he did because he went out even without the help of the Lord and he was able to accomplish some things and build up some things for himself. But life could have been so much more happy for you and joyous for you, Esau. And the Bible tells us that when he realized he had been rejected, when he realized that he could not have the blessing of God because he had sold it down the road. It says in Hebrews 12, 16 and 17, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his It would be one thing if it was something that was going to sustain you for a long time. It would be, it would be, it would sound more reasonable if it was something great that you was giving up your relationship with God for. If it was something really that was all that wonderful. But one morsel of meat. And I found in my experience in, in dealing with people that it's never really, it's never really the big thing. It's that one little thing that they refuse to leave on the altar. It's the one little thing they refuse to give to God. It's that one little thing that they said, I'm going to hold on to this. One morsel of meat sold his birthright. And for you know how that afterward, it may take some time, Esau, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance though he sought it carefully with tears. He sought it carefully. He couldn't find it. Where's that feeling that I used to have? Where's that God that I heard my daddy talk about? Where's that, where that presence of the Lord that I used to feel when I was tenderhearted as a boy? Where, where's, that, where's that old time conviction? He found no place. Of repentance. I'm going to tell you, for one morsel of meat, it's not worth it, Esau. For one little thing that you're holding on to, it's certainly not worth it, Esau. If I was you, I would yield it to God. And let God, that thing that you think is so important, I'd yield it to God. That attitude and that spirit that you've learned how to justify, I'd yield it to God. That that, that part of you that you've said, well, I'm right about this. I'd yield that to God. Let God deal with it. I wouldn't want to be responsible, amen, for holding on to something that would keep me out of the pearly gates. I wouldn't want to be responsible for holding on to anything that would hinder my worship and my connection to God and my ability to receive something from God. Amen. Matter of fact, the journey would be a whole lot greater if you just yielded to the Lord. You'd get a whole lot more out of living for God and coming to the house of God if you just yielded to the Lord. Amen. You'd get a whole lot more out of your walk with God if you learn how to yield it in the presence of the Lord. Why don't you stand with me right now and let's lift up our hands unto God and say, God, I need your help today. I need your help today.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray together. Let's wait on God for just a few moments here. Thank you, Jesus. It takes a big person. It takes an honest person. It takes a person that realizes the importance of the moment to say, God, forgive me. God, whatever, help me to get this out. I don't want to hold on to this bag anymore. I've held on to this and I've kept a hold of this. I've allowed this to hinder me and allowed this to stop me and I've allowed this to keep me from progressing in my relationship with God. When there's greater anointing and greater places and greater things and greater revival and some point you got to let go you got to yield you got the holy ghost by yielding and you keep the holy ghost by continuing to yield got to yield to the spirit of god got to yield to the touch of god got to open up my heart to let it be examined it was a psalmist david who said search me o lord See if there be anything in me that's unlike you. Turn that big searchlight in on my heart. Shine it into every corner. Take whatever and cleanse and wash and scrub it out of me because I don't want it to be there to cause me to be lost. I don't want any residue of unrepented sin to be there in my heart. I don't want any stain to bleed back up through and catch me at a vulnerable time. i got to get it right. Does anybody feel the call of God here today? Does anybody feel that these altars are open? For anybody that says, God, I, I just want to get it right. I want to get it right. I want to make certain that my heart is pure. I want to make certain that I got things where they need to be with you. I don't want to harbor anything or hold on to anything. God, I want to get it right with you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, yes, God, I thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes, I thank you, Jesus. The Bible talks about Simon Peter, who was able, during this same period of time when Judas refused to let go of some things, Peter said, I, I refuse to hold on to it. i got to get it right between the Lord and I. And he made full and complete repentance before God and was able to be restored and went on to be greatly used of the Lord. 
two different men with the same opportunity handled it two different ways. God help us today to take advantage of the opportunity that is before us. Grace is reaching. The mercies of God are calling. Help me, God, to get it right. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, I don't want to hold on to anything there. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. As they begin to sing, let's cry out to the Lord. Let's talk to the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.